I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Guys, I have so many updates and thoughts this week before we get into the articles. But first, I have to say, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, follow me on my YouTube, follow my blog at baileyevan.com, and that would be faboosh. First of all, Page Six reports that Kaya and P are officially donezo, so I think that's probably kind of a good thing. I don't think that was a pair that needed to last very long. We talked last week about how one of the new Vanderpump people, Max, who I told you Pete said was a douche back when I met him last in February. So it came out that a lot of Max's past tweets were disgusting and saying racist things, uh, just all around disgusting. Oh, I can't even like think about it. And while I'm not a fan of cancel culture, can we agree that this dude sucks? And me talking about my gut feelings about him last week were probably right. And on to add on to that, the Brett guy who I talked about dating Carly Bible, he was also uncovered. He had all these gross racist tweets. So I'm like, kind of like, Bravo, come on. Can we just make sure at least the people have this crap deleted before they... Because it's just so sad. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Anyways, moving on. It's rumored that FKA Twigs is dating the 1975's Maddie Healy. She dates all the hot, weird e-boys. You know how you've heard of, like, an e-girl? Like, Doja Cat likes that look with the freckles painted on and the lots of blush. Well, I think the equivalent is the people that FKA Twigs dates. You know, we talk about... Uh, manic pixie dream girls but I think the hot weird e-boys are maybe their equivalent because before Maddie Healy she dated Rob Pattinson and Shia LaBeouf who are both just like kind of weirdos can we agree on that like I'm a fan of all three of these people but they're weird I am currently eagerly awaiting Carolyn Calloway's self-published book but the problem is she says that she's only making as many books as people pre-order. So I have to decide if I want to spend the $25 to get a copy of Scammer. I feel like I do because, again, I feel like that's owning a piece of pop culture. And since I don't own a Dreamer BB, I feel like it's time for me to get the book and just bite the bullet. Uh, And if you need a refresher, you can look back on episode 9 and we do a whole deep dive of Caroline Calloway. And she's also working on the highly anticipated cut article response to Natalie's, which fits right in to this podcast. So I can't wait till that comes out. We might have to dedicate a whole episode to it. And I also wanted to add that I really think Love from season two of the show You should play Caroline Calloway. Now, I know I've thrown other people out in the past, like Molly Gordon, Odea Rush. I still think they'd be great. But I really think, I think her name's Veronica Peretti from you season two I think would be a great Caroline Calloway like I I want to make that prediction because if the casting people aren't seeing that they a look like and her fantastic uh performance in you and she was also in the haunting of hill house so I just think it's a great fit predicting it now the whole world right now seems to be talking about Megxit i.e Harry and Megan stepping down from their royal duties And all I'm going to say about that is that we really should be talking about what a creepo Prince Andrew is and leave those two alone. Like, 
The royal family should feel so blessed that Megxit is distracting from the pedophile royal. And if you aren't familiar, Prince Andrew hung a lot hung out a lot with Mr. Jeffrey Epstein himself. Speaking of pedophiles, allegedly Gigi Hadid was in the jury pool for the Harvey Weinstein case. And I had originally wrote when I was doing these show notes that there was no way she'd get picked. And it turns out she didn't get picked because lo and behold, she's friends with Salma Hayek and Cara Delevingne, two of Harvey Weinstein's accusers. I mean, this is one of those truth is stranger than fiction moments. The fact that Gigi Hadid, one of the biggest models of our time, who's legitimately friends with the celebrities accusing Harvey Weinstein of this behavior was part of the jury pool. I just, I mean, it's wild. What else is there to say? It's wild. Kenzie and I have been watching High School Musical, the musical, the series, and I love it. It's so meta. It's fantastic. It's set at... The so okay, you know how in High School Musical the movie it's set clearly at a high school, like they used a high school to film it. The real name of the high school they filmed it at is East High School. So this is a mockumentary set at East High School with obviously fake students who don't actually go there. But the concept is that they're putting on a musical of the high school musical movie. And it sounds so dumb, but it's shot in kind of the office modern family style and I guess I've just never met a mockumentary I don't like and maybe that's what's getting it doing it for me but I think it's smarter than you would think so maybe give it a try if you have Disney plus I don't know how many people have Disney plus we actually use my sister's best friend's account so I don't know maybe this is a very niche audience I'm speaking to right now but just in case Two episodes ago, I talked about The Biggest Boys of 2009, and I asked Elena for her opinion as to why people thirst over Adam Driver, because as I said back in that episode, I really wanted to get to the root of this and what people see about him. And since you guys didn't give me any feedback on that particular uh, ask, I'm going to read you what she said, and then you can see if you agree. She wrote, I think large, strong noses and bizarre facial features have weird, like in ancient times, ancestral mojo. Plus, his bot is fire and he ends up falling for Lena and girls. So maybe we're all brainwashed. I think that's as good a guess as any. I That makes sense to me. Maybe it is just a weird ingrained in our ancestry to be attracted to a kind of Neanderthal looking man. Not my type, but I get it. As an anthropager, I get it. <laughs> Uh, So our last update uh, is that last week I told you about the Paul Zimmer, Troy Beckman drama. So I wanted to share some info with you that I got from an article from Insider. And the title of the article is Court Records Reveal a 24-Year-Old Influencer Accused of Scamming His Fans Legally Changed His Name to Pose as a 16-Year-Old Actor. And this article is by Connor Perrette. New documents obtained by Insider show that the influencer illegally changed his name to his new Elias Troy Becker last year and that his legal name was never actually Paul Zimmer. So it's like he's living three lives here. In the Superior Court of California in Los Angeles, his real name, Paul Joseph Gutowski, which many sources confirmed Insider had been Paul Zimmer's real last name, successfully changed his name to Troy Becker in March 19th, 2019 according to the court records. So the plot thickens of this whole thing we discussed last week. And one of his ex-friends had the following to say about him, which I think is pretty telling. I think it's his inflated ego that let him think he's just so much smarter than all of his followers. He really does think he's above them in a weird way. 
I think he knows that most of his followers are preteens or very young teens, and he thinks he's smarter than probably everyone. But he absolutely thinks he's so much smarter than his followers. I don't think he knew that other people would pick up on it, and I can say without proof, but with confidence from knowing him that he 100% thought that it was just going to work. Now, if this friend is right, and he really honestly thought he could get away when he had 7 million followers, that he could fool all of them? Like, haven't we learned in this day and age that internet detectives are real, especially teen fangirls? I have never seen more combined brain power than what I see with teen fangirls. It is the CIA on crack. If you need them to hunt someone down, they will know what room in a hotel someone's in. They probably know what color underwear that person's wearing that day. So the fact that this guy in his 20s thought he could get away with this and not only change his name and take on that identity, but change his age is I honestly hope he is getting mental help because I just think there has to be some sort of disconnect there for that to be happening. That cannot be rooted in a realistic point of view. So hopefully we don't have to ever talk about him again, but it seems like maybe each week he's letting some of this info come out again to keep himself in the press, keep drumming up the interest in him who knows next up i want this cheer coach to run my life by anna silman this is our first cut article of the day and first off i have to say that i am obsessed with cheer if you have netflix and you haven't seen it yet get ready for your next binge because as i've said before i'm a sucker for a well-done documentary and i actually much prefer a heartfelt one over a true crime one so this hits ticks all of those boxes so watch it and then we can both talk about how much we love jerry i'm such a jerry stan and um i found out since watching it that i guess when they are at the actual championships in daytona beach they only compete against one other team but i think it's pretty hard for them to get to that point where they qualify so people were kind of downplaying the win that the fact that their rival is literally only one other team but I don't know. That's not to me. That's not even really what this is about. It's the backstories of the girls. It's how grueling this is as a sport, which I already knew because I used to watch like made when they would go to cheer camp. I'd watch all of those cheer documentaries that I think were on MTV. I would also watch. I know dance comp like dance cheer is so different than like competition cheer. But I would watch Becoming a Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader. And I mean, all of this stuff is just very, very intense because on top of being an athlete, you're also expected to look flawless. And I think that's such an unfair standard because really they are athletes. But anyways, the documentary gets into all of that. So Anna writes, I've become enthralled by one character. The kind of character who documentary filmmakers dream of encountering, a real-life legend who makes Friday Night Lights coach Taylor look like some garden-variety rec league schlub. I speak, of course, of cheer coach Monica Aldama. In her 24 years at Navarro College, she has 14 NCAA Junior College Division National Championships and five grand national titles, making her the reigning national record holder. As Morgan, one of her cheerleaders, says when Monica asked to try out an incredibly dangerous basket toss for the first time, People have broken their necks doing this, but Monica needs me to do it, so I'll just do it. I would take a bullet for her, and I can vouch that's actually a quote Morgan says. Morgan's great. She comes from, a lot of these kids come from such rough, hard backgrounds, and I really feel like this program gives them something to work towards and gives them hope and gives them a family, and that's me part of the best part of the documentary. 
So Anna writes, if only I had Monica to run my life, I can't imagine how much better I'd be at pretty much everything. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt, but also kind of made me feel like trash because I was thinking, have I ever worked as hard as these girls worked for anything in my life? Girls and guys, I'm sorry, because it's a it's a co-ed team. The guys do tons of tumbling, basing, all of that. I took some tumbling classes when I was in high school and it was so hard. I think I could like only do a round off and even that was pretty dismal. So watching these people tumble blows your mind. They just do it with such ease and it's just not, it's not easy. Um, so yeah, check that out if you haven't yet. Moving on. Wait, what Instagram ads do men see by Kelly Conaboy? So in this article, Kelly was wondering what ads men see on Insta since girls, you know what you get. You get bras, you get skincare, you get some fashion, or at least I feel like that's what I get. So in this article, they include a tweet that tells you how to see what ads are targeting you. And I tested it to see if it works. So if you guys want to do it with me, go to settings, security, access data, scroll to the bottom and you'll see uh, ads and then you click on view all. So these are mine that popped up online shopping. No duh. Of course that was my first one guys. Like I know myself. I told you I'm a sucker for it. Hair products, spas, beauty salons, shopping, dresses, shopping and fashion. Cause I guess shopping doesn't cover shopping and fashion, luxury goods, fragrances, and jewelry. <laughs> I felt a little vapid after reading this and also kind of shocked dogs pets weren't on there and concert tickets so I'm like well as I feel seen but I feel like they're missing out on some other ads that they could really target me and get me on but fuck Facebook and Insta really do know me so back to what to men see on their ads so Kelly's doing the Lord's work here and she wrote the following but what is influencing the thoughts and wallets of our straight brethren? It's a secret kept hidden away in their little hands, viewable only by the prying eyes of the over-the-shoulder subway rider, someone next to them on the couch, until now. Kelly created a Google form called What Ads Do Straight Guys See on Instagram and tweeted it to her followers, requesting they share the kinds of ads they see, and asking them to send her screenshots of the ads if they felt like it. Some did, though a slightly larger percentage did not feel like it, she says. So here's a selection of some of my favorite answers. Bomba Socks, Brooks Brothers, Drake's, J. Crew, Walt Street Journal, Pretty Patrick, Patrick Bateman-y, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. A never-ending barrage of personal handheld deep tissue massage recovery guns. Waterproof socks, Tostitos, chips, and salsa, A&W Canada, granola, packable backpack, fancy bike lights, cheap contact lenses, President's Choice Assorted Chocolate, Scene Point Card, Patterned Socks, Sustainable Karuma Shoes. And... So that's so random and so far from what I get advertised. Uh, Another recurring ad that a lot of the guys said they would see were from banks. And as Kelly points out, can women get some bank ads too, please? Damn. But this also just affirms to me that most straight men's interests are so boring. And how will I ever actually deeply interact with a straight man? It's it's a mystery to me. Um, Last article of the day is Florence Pugh's Hot Brother, A Helpful Guide by Hannah Gold. So as you know, Florence Pugh has been getting a lot of attention this year, especially with Little Women coming out, which I actually haven't seen yet because while I loved the version from the 90s or whenever it came out, it always made me cry. And the older I get, the less I want to see things that make me cry. But I feel like I have to see it because unanimously I've heard every single person who sees it likes it. 
But today we're not talking about Florence. We're talking about her 27-year-old brother, Toby Sebastian. And he is, in fact, beautiful. And he actually looks like a dark-haired male version of her. He plays guitar and he can sing and is a songwriter. And as Hannah writes, it turns out Sebastian is also a Dornish prince. On seasons five and six of Game of Thrones, he played Tristan Martell, the eldest son of the rulers of Dorne, a pleasurable southern kingdom whose inhabitants leave their shirts mostly unbuttoned and fuck with abandon the cut also writes he is supportive of florence and well damn i'd hope so i mean (laughs) she's doing pretty good most recently sebastian posted on the occasion of pew's oscar nomination you have worked your arse off and you've been exquisite in every single one of your performances proud doesn't cover it congratulations fatso i love you i just noticed he called her fatso (laughs) okay Uh, And they finish this list with noting he's good at sitting and attach pictures of him sitting on a stool. I have to say I love these stories that are like five things you need to know about so-and-so. They're all over the internet. There's so many lists like this. And it's literally clear that whoever got this information literally mined everything they know about a person from that person's Instagram. (laughs) And the results are always just kind of like, okay, well, I learned nothing new, but I guess that was enlightening. So... Maybe that's how you feel after today's podcast. You're a legit shit for today. I feel like I never share food wrecks. So I wanted to give you some today. Because uh, I realized not everyone knows about Diana's bananas. And I think every grocery store has them. I know our Publixes all have them. They're half a banana coated in chocolate. And yeah, could you make them at home? Of course. But I love the way the Diana's bananas ones taste. Are they healthy for you? No. I mean, they're chocolate. But... I don't even know what I'm saying, but they're just good. Go buy one. Feel less guilty that you're not eating ice cream. And I will see you next week. Bye.